0: I rose my arms up to the ceilings and I said, no more assholes. And I was looking up the ceiling, but I was looking through the ceiling. I was freaking looking at God and I was like, I'm done. No more assholes.
1: Hello, friend. I'm so grateful that you're here. You're listening to Your Spin Out is Gorgeous, a podcast of communion, a place where we connect within the full spectrum of humanity. My name is Natalie Q and I'm your host. I'm a mother, a lover, a friend, and your fellow human. What I want to offer you is liberation from the cultural foists, the narratives that are thrust upon us and guide much of our experience here on the planet. I'm with you on your journey of unlearning. What if everyone you knew was pursuing a life of whole self-integration, witnessing and offering thanks for all that they are, warts and all? That's not just self-care. That's true, unconditional self-love. And I want to be there with you as you set your life and all the things that aren't serving you alight. With you as you bravely consider life from another perspective. Let's explore all things humanity without the veneer, together. Life examined, not just the pretty parts. You in? Let's do this. Hi. Ooh, coming in hot. How are you? Calm down. <laughs> nice to be with you again this week for another episode of Your Spin Out is Gorgeous. Today, my guest is Chantel Hyde. She is Canada's dating coach. And if you have spent any time on TikTok at all whatsoever, I'm sure you have seen her fabulous videos. She has 156,000 followers on TikTok, and she is just offering us great advice. The The Angle is dating, obviously, but it's so interesting how much all of this is the same stuff that can apply—just common wisdom that's sometimes uncommon <laughs> in me. I'll self-confess, but um, you know, it can be applied in in the workplace. It can be applied with your boss. It can be applied with your children, because really, all relationships, whether they're romantic or not, have a lot of similar themes of. Are we being true to ourselves? Are we being honest with ourselves? You know, how deeply have we assessed things? How deeply have we taken accountability or um, alchemized our wounds into wisdom? And and then we're bringing that um, into our relationships. Or are we bringing our wounds and our traumas and our, you know, Bullshit and our craziness. And then, of course, we're a perfect match um, for something not great if we're in that state, aren't we? So she really is um, an amazing guide through that process. She's written eight books. And she's coming at this from all kinds of different and interesting angles, as well as her own story, which was, and we'll get into it a little bit, um, she was a stripper for a number of years, which is so cool, knew what she wanted to do when she was young, and, and it was being a stripper. And I just love the way she articulates that desire and experience, as well as a little bit through some of the relationships that she's had that set her up for being the holder, um, of this great knowledge, um, to give us this advice. So I hope you enjoy our episode and here she is. And welcome to the program, Chantel. Hello, lovely. How are you? I'm so well, thank you so much for asking and thank you so much for being here. Thank you.
0: I love it. Always love a good conversation.
1: Absolutely. Me too. So, Let's just start at the beginning because I love your story of of your childhood sort of informing who you are today. And there's so many great um, telling signals of your power and your drive in this story about sort of knowing your destiny to become a stripper (laughs) long before most people do even know what they want. Um, So let's start at, was it sixth grade, I think?
0: Oh, sixth is old. i was six years old, even younger. Oh yeah. Damn girlfriend. I knew, I knew, I knew at six years old. I, I, I waited on the stairs for my mom to come home so I could excitedly tell her that I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. And she came home and I said, mom, I know what I want to be when I grow up. And she said, what? And I go, a stripper. And she <laughs> and she was like like any mom when their kid is six years old saying this is like it's like a little six-year-old going I want to be Wonder Woman and they're like yeah okay you go girl whatever um but yeah this is like my mom was like where'd you get that she kind of laughed and I told her I saw this woman on tv which was like a 70s burlesque dancer I wish I could remember her name right now but she's one with the big feather fans it was I I don't know what it was. I honestly looked up when she died to find out if I was her reincarnated because fast forward to like when I was seeking my liberation, it was dancing that gave me the financial freedom I needed to escape an abusive relationship and make sure I didn't go back to an abusive home. And when I looked her up and I researched her, she was all about women's empowerment, and so am I. And I was like, okay, hey, wait a second. Like I feel her so strongly. So this, it, it was such an incredible connection, and it turned into me being something like her, which is a woman who stands for women's empowerment, who does things her own way. I went into an industry where you are, you know, in. In most industries, women are at the hands of men, basically. This is the one industry when it comes to sex work where women are paid more than men. But still in a strip club, over the years, there were so many girls that were doing things that they weren't comfortable with just because they thought they had to. And the entire time, from the moment I stepped into a club and started working in it, it was my way on my terms. And if anybody didn't like it, I didn't need their money. Yeah. Yeah. That's so
1: interesting because it really brings to mind for me the prostitute archetype, which we are so fucked up in how we think about sex work. And and to me, the prostitute archetype is, it has nothing to do with sex. It has to do with making deals that will betray yourself. So to me, it's also like light and shadow. So you're in the light side of that shadow or in that empowerment and doing things your way, where it's really the deal that betrays yourself. That It's not the sex work that's inherently bad. It's not the stripping that's inherently bad. It's that if you're doing it out of a, a way that betrays what you're trying to achieve. And so you so brilliantly show how that it's possible to do it for your own self-worth, for your own empowerment, to to feel the freedom of escaping not only the uh, abusive relationship with your partner at the time, right? But also that relationship had been informed by some abuse in the home in your upbringing, which is how you sort of arrived there in the first place, Right.
0: Yeah, we seek what's familiar even if it's wrong for us. So I left an abusive home and I went right back into the same kind of situation because I just didn't know any better. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And how do you, you know, going back to when you're six years old and, and you're formulating these ideas, did you carry it through all those years of being nine, 10, 11, 15? Or did it, was it something that happened then and then you had a return to it as you're old enough at 18 and, and needing to do it for these reasons and having these desires about it?
0: Well, I like to say when it comes to your destiny, there's always signs. And so me seeing this this woman at the age of six, and I don't know where the hell the word stripper came into my mind. It wasn't said when I was watching this, but I knew what it was. And I I knew what it meant, but for me, it meant empowerment. Like that's what this woman was when this is like, again, 70s, it was a 70s movie. It was black and white. Um, And, you know, when, when I was flipping through these channels and I came across this particular scene, which was, it started off with like well-dressed men in top hats in this grand ballroom with crystal chandeliers and something stopped me and I went, something exciting is about to happen. And and the next scene was like, there's a stage, this woman, she's got these sparkly shoes, this sparkly bikini, these two feather fans. And she comes out on the stage and she dances behind them in this burlesque fashion. And And all these people are enthralled. And I was like, that's me that's who I want to be. And that's at six years old. But then fast forward into like my teen years and, you know, I'm 16 years old. I'm doing a lip sync competition to what you do to my body, what you do to my body, you know, women are going to know this song. Um, You know, like, like the skimpiest miniskirt I could find, uh and then you know 17 i've got like boyfriends that are in a band and so they've got like the microphones on the stand and i'm listening, i've got i play like the london choir boys for the for the boys sitting on the couch and i do a dance behind the microphone right like there's all these these little things that pop up doing the housework and then i just had to stop for 20 minutes in front of a mirror and dance in front of the mirror and i do i was just like damn i'm sexy girl so all these little things that are stitching themselves together. Um, going to the strip club for the first bar I could go into legally, it was the strip club and I loved it. So you come to a place where all this creates something, all these little clues open a door for you to realize something about yourself. It wasn't like one day that that's not how it was for me. It wasn't like one day I decided to do it. It was all these little moments throughout my life that created a comfort with the idea because it was automatically already me.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting to think as well, like, how that was still a part of your destiny track of like informing who you are today and, and how you see things in the work that you do. And, and it's still the same themes of female empowerment and, and being out there and showing people the way. And, and in some ways, yeah, TikTok all and your books, like you're still on stage yeah. <laughs> in a different way. So that, but we don't want to skip too far ahead. Um, yeah. So back to stripping and being in this relationship, take us back to the way that the freedom and emancipation of being on stage was mirroring um, getting out of the house and having that financial freedom from both your mother and this relationship.
0: If that oh, makes sense. I need you to rephrase
1: that question. <laughs> sure. Sure. So to give maybe some more context about your home life with your mom and the way that that was mirror, you know, being mirrored in this second relationship that you were in at the time that you began stripping, how, how were those two themes coinciding together of like getting the financial freedom, being on stage, and then also actually freeing yourself from, being home and freeing yourself in this relationship? Like, how did you actually do it? What did it look like?
0: Well, you know, leading up to that point where I did decide to take that leap was me trying to escape abuse. Um, And so I would leave my abusive boyfriend, get an apartment, get a job. He'd show up at my job, get me fired. Um, And so it always came down to either I'm going to stay with my abusive boyfriend or I'm going to go back home to my abusive mom. And, you know, when you're looking for a job in the newspaper and you get towards the back of the paper and it says, hey, you make $1,100 in a week. And I'm like, I could use $1,100 in a week. Mm-hmm. And after a few false starts, because it is a scary thing to get up on a stage and take your clothes off in front of strangers. And there was, you know, a couple of times where I went to a club, went up on stage, did a show on stage, and then immediately went home. I did book myself in to do a full week. And, and dedicated myself to it and did it and came home, got an apartment, went out, did another week, came home, bought a car. And just like that, I had my freedom. And nobody could ever take that away from me. And that was what was... The best part about all this was now my power, my control, my destiny, whatever I wanted to do with myself and my life was in my hands and nobody could ever take that away from me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. How long did you end up stripping and, and finding that sense of freedom in that way?
0: Many, many, many years. hmm I don't know exactly how many, but, you know, because (laughs) there was like in and out of the industry, but I mean, many years. Um, And can I, can I just tell you, Mm -hmm. I discovered spirituality while I was dancing and I was the strangest stripper you would ever meet because here I was, um, we had like little stools, you know, early on back in the day, you uh, in Montreal, you had to have like a certain distance, you weren't supposed to, to touch clients back then. And, and every girl had to dance on a stage, but they never mandated the size of the stage. So a table dance was like on a little table, (laughs) by a table. And here I was, buck naked, talking to the men in front of me going, have you discovered spirituality? (laughs) Did you know that if you meditate, blah, 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 right? And they're looking at me with the strangest look in their eyes going, I I came here for a dance. (laughs) This isn't quite what I was expecting. And that is pretty much my career is me being an outlier always. And I was always like one of the more, popular girls because I took care of myself I didn't have to drink or do drugs to do my job and in fact doing those took away from my enjoyment from my job I loved going on stage I love giving a good show I'm very in tune with the music it always moves me and and so you know people were always interested in me but then they get me in front of them and I'd start talking and they go like Okay, this is this is different. I didn't expect to have an intelligent, deep conversation with a naked girl in a strip club. Yeah, we're talking about Abraham Hicks
1: in the club, <laughs> or oh. what was it? I, I'm actually curious about what what first sparked your spirituality, and so what these conversations would be like in specifics. Was it Abraham Hicks? Was it Louise Hay? Who, was it all of the about you know who was it? What were the books? What were the things that you first found?
0: It was Shirley MacLaine. Oh, really? Yeah. Out on the Limb by Shirley MacLaine. So Shirley MacLaine is an actress and she's not, you know, working much now because she's, she's much older, but um, she, you know, she was a very popular actress. She did many movies. So she had a fair amount of money when she dubbed it to spirituality. She could do it right proper. And she could go, go see all the gurus and go to Peru and, and go to those places on the planet that are like very powerful in, you know, energetically. And so she wrote some books about her spiritual quest and I reached a point in my life in like my early, mid twenties where I was like, what is this about? Like there's something more and I don't know what it is. And so I actually started off on what I would call a God quest. And I was, I was trying to figure out what this, what God was all about. And I was studying religion and I would go to different churches, um, you know, study different, different books on religion. And then I found this book out on the limb by Sheldon McLean and it was actually my mom's book and it was on her bedside table for the longest time. And I put it in with my books and I carried around for years till I finally read it. And this was the first book that I literally had to close and put down because it overwhelmed me with the information inside. And what was in that book seemed right. And it was like, this is it. This is the key. This is what I've been looking for. And it blew my mind wide open. Mm -hmm. It really started there. And then, you know, being that I was a dancer, I could could choose places throughout the world to go work in. I went to Mexico City, discovered a bunch of gurus there, went to Rave in the Mountains. Like, you know, it was I, I had a lot of incredible spiritual experiences because I could travel the world and meet very interesting people.
1: Yeah. And I'm with you. I think I probably would have seen it differently when I was religious. I was raised Mormon. And I, I know that the way that religion and sexuality and morality meet is in this very shameful place. You're meant to feel shame for your sexuality. You're not meant to express it that way. That wouldn't be godly that wouldn't be spiritual, but I find it quite the opposite. Like To me, it's not surprising (laughs) that you could have transcendent experiences and conversations and be a stripper, and none of that is mutually exclusive. In fact, in many ways, your work and your sexuality and your spirituality all sort of coincide, and we see that that reflected in some spiritual books as well. And for me, anecdotally, not that that's anything... (laughs) Not that that's any kind of evidence that's reliable, but I agree. I I find all of those things working alongside each other, not against each other. So thank you for being um, another testament to that in your story. So where where do you progress from there into where you are today, writing books, being Canada's dating coach, having your TikTok following and other followings, and as well with with the other relationships. Um, that, that began to shape you as an expert in this way through possibly negative experience?
0: All right, <laughs> <laughs> It started through the negative, that's for sure. Um, you know, getting into spirituality, being a dancer, neither of those had an effect on my relationship choices. I kept choosing shitty guys. Uh, and I did that until I had my moment when I was 28 where I hung up on the last ex-boyfriend that was the wrong type and the wrong type being selfish short-term thinkers versus generous long-term thinkers Um, you know and that's mindset before just kind of vetting mindset before compatibility so compatibility aside they just were not in the right mindset they were always looking for something else and you know the last one that I dated um, this was in Guelph Ontario he was interested. So I, I can't. I've got to stumble on this because I just can't believe my own stupidity at the time. <laughs> um, you know, because, like him and I started dating a week later, we hung out. Like you know, we were rock climbing. We hung out with this uh, group of climbers. There was this other girl. He tells me after this weekend climbing with her, if I would met her first, I'd still I would have been with her. And I I I held on like a pit bull. This is why I call this the pit bull syndrome. When you hold on to something you should be letting go of. Um, and so. He went, he he moved away to Colorado. I'd said before he left, I would go with him. He said, no, I don't want you to. So he basically leaves me behind, which is fine. We broke up. I started seeing somebody, like not even just seeing, just hanging out, rock climbing with someone else. And he says, oh, I was going to ask you to move here when he finds out. That was just pure control. He is, this was one of those things where it's like, I don't want to be with you, but I don't want you to be with anybody else. Mm Mm-hmm. And I realized that in that moment when he said that, and I said, that's not fair. And I hung up the phone and I got to say, I didn't say, I didn't say that's not fair. I yelled. That's not fair. And then I hung up on him. I slammed the phone down on him. And I literally, right after that, I rose my arms up to the ceilings and I said, no more assholes. And I was looking up the ceiling, but I was looking through the ceiling. I was freaking looking at God and I was like, I'm done. No more assholes. And I felt those words go through my body. And Natalie, that was it. That was it. When you say something and change your frequency at the same time, you are changing the trajectory of your life. The man I married after that moment, I call him my greenhouse. This is where I got to heal and realign myself in the safest place I had ever been in my entire life. Now, we decided to buy a house together. And I said, you know, I wasn't working at the time. I, like I was working, but I wasn't, I wasn't stripping. And I said, he had his money for a down payment. I didn't have mine. I said, I can go make mine, but I'd, I'd go stripping to go do that. And he said, there's no problem. I don't have any problem with that. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I started dancing again to go make Oh, my shoot. It, it, it cut out, Chantel. I, I lost you at
1: um, down payment. He had his money for a down payment. I had mine.
0: So he had his money for a down payment and I didn't have mine, but I said, I can go stripping and I can go get it. And he said, yeah, no problem. Don't have any problem with that. I got back into the industry. I was, you know, we like, I started dancing. We got engaged. We got married, still dancing throughout this time. I'm dancing with my wedding ring on. And that's when I met my second husband. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. so uh you know he came to the club with a friend he got a dance came back the next day and he said took me for a dance and he said can I take you to dinner and I said no I'm married showed him my ring and he said okay no problem then he kept coming back every Wednesday um and so and in the meantime too and my uh my first husband said take your ring off at work people are gonna think you're taking you're not gonna make as much money um but you know Kind of fast forward a little bit. I over time realized I was not happy in my marriage. It'd been years since we've been sleeping in the same bed. We were having sex once every two months. Um, just because it was like, um, it's been two months and we're married. Shouldn't we be having sex? Um, you know, so there was a complete lack of intimacy in my marriage. And here's my second husband, slowly but surely showing me over time that you can have safety and intimacy and not have to sacrifice one for the other. Mm. Um, and, And so I did end up leaving my first husband because I realized that this lack of intimacy was not good in a marriage and then ended up being with my second husband. And this is where things started to really educate me when it came to men was being with my second husband because you know, I compare, right? So I'm looking at him and the way he is and his behaviors and the decisions that he makes. And I'm like, this is a different breed. This is a whole different kind of man. I've never met anybody like this before. And then I started comparing his character to the character of other men that I was meeting in the club. And this is where it got kind of scientific because i started to discern two mindsets selfish short-term thinking versus generous long-term thinking selfish short-term thinking is the kind of thinking that isn't ready or not willing or able to have a relationship generous long-term thinking is the mindset you need to have in order to have a successful relationship
1: mm. and what were the characteristics when you say this like i started to compare this to this like and and you discover this generous long-term thinking. What is a man who's like that? What are the traits? What are the things that is like something that somebody can go? There it is. Like
0: mm. like by name, like there it is. Right. Uh, so somebody who is responsible is a generous long-term thinker. Because you have to be a long-term thinker in order to make sure your bills are paid on time, in order to make sure you're buying a home. Um, so You know, being financially responsible is one of those signs. Being somebody who is secure. If, you know, somebody who seeks their validation through other people, you know, males who surround themselves with a lot of women who are going to fawn over them and want to be with them. Or people who get their validation on, you know, for their exterior. Like, look at my watch, look at my clothes, look at my car, look at my purse. Um, uh, The ability to want you to be happy versus want you to make them happy. So selfish people are like, you need to make me happy at whatever cost to you. I don't care. You need to satisfy me. Generous long-term thinkers say, I want you to be happy so you can bleed that emotion back into the relationship.
1: Yes, exactly. That's such a hard one. And I'm sitting here thinking like, is the natural progression to just kind of bumble around in your 20s and have a lot of dysfunction that just seems normal because different things were patterned that might not have been ideal or you in your vibration are used to? abuse, or you're used to a caretaker asking you to validate them. So when your lover asks you to do that, it might not be what you want. It might not be validating you. It might not be nourishing you so that you can nourish it into the relationship. But that dysfunction is familiar and normal air quotes, right? And so your moment where you stand up and say, no more assholes is sort of that indicative moment of when you step out of that thinking of, the familiarity into that clarity of who I really am and what I really want and what I really deserve. Mm-hmm. And so, but it is important to sort of like, or at least it has been for me to like really noodle through like where, where pull the thread at like trace back where this codependency came from trace back where this self abandonment came from. Why? Because that was asked of me and, I, and I, I was rewarded to do that. So here I am doing that because what, what you do initially, and this is why short term exactly is so apt, because you do initially, if you're validating someone, the relationship does feel good, but it will never be sustainable in the long term, right? Unless it's as you describe, it's that, that feeding the person, who can then feed that back into the relationship. That's something that's sustainable long-term, not short-term flattery or abandon yourself to be with me and just fulfill me and fulfill my needs and, and mirror back to me, my greatness. Right. <laughs> I will mean, not to do any of that for you, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. So
0: what, how long have you been married now to your second? Uh, we've been so, yeah, so he started coming to see me in 2000. We got together in 2000. Oh, 2009. Wait a second. Oh, geez. Oh, my goodness. Time flies. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got together in 2006. Um, so we've been official since 2006, but falling in love since before then.
1: Mm, no judgment, but are you able to be? Was it an amicable, nice split with your first husband? It was event.
0: for him it was very I mean for both of us really was sudden because it was the result of me writing an email out to a friend of mine who was asking me how things were going and and I described my home life which is you know I would I would come home after work um after my nine to five and my husband would come home from his nine to five. I'd be upstairs watching TV. He'd go into the basement, into his studio or into his office, work away till supper. We would have supper together and like not even work at like job jobs. It was hobbies. Then we would have supper and then he'd go back to his hobby until bedtime. We will watch a bit of TV together till bedtime and then go to bed in separate beds. And I was typing this out for her. And then I said, I don't know what we have in common anymore. And when I when I pressed the period on that sentence, I immediately broke down and started crying. And because I realized in that moment I should not be married. And it was that day when I saw my husband that I said, we need to get a divorce because we are friends, but we should not be married. And he was upset by this because, as far as as he knew, we had our life mapped out. You know, we 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 bought our We'd bought our upgrade home, right? So we went from our first home to our upgrade home. We'd been in it for a year. He, he, you know, fixed up the garage just the way he liked it. And here I was just upending his life. And so he was definitely upset with me for that. I certainly suffered um, for... I would say a good six months. I'll be honest with you, Natalie, it was difficult for me to have an orgasm because I felt so guilty at having left my marriage. Um, And so there was a lot of residual emotions. And even though I was the one that left him, it still hurt for me to leave him because what was going through my mind was why couldn't you try hard enough for us to not come to this place? Mm. It's not like there weren't many conversations where I was really laying out what I felt was not right with our marriage, with the lack of intimacy. And every few months, this is why we'd have sex every couple of months, because every couple of months I'd be like, it's, it's been two months. We haven't like, and all we do is like, there's no intimacy. There's, there's nothing.
1: Yeah. So. I know a lot, that's going to be so resonant yeah. for a lot of people because a lot of people find themselves there and it's very confusing and you really laid out the, the consequences of it, not being able to orgasm and, and the different feelings because in our culture, the, it, it's so shame filled. It's a, it, you've, you've broken up a home, you've broken your vows. It's so minimalistic to the actual humanity and the the consequences of your inner feelings of having to process an experience like that and go through an experience like that, which is ultra confusing. And of course, you know, at that time, I'm sure like my first marriage too, you would have wanted to have the happily ever after. You would have wanted to have the dream, but ultimately divorce is an amazing teacher. And when, why aren't we talking about that? And that some you know, a reason, a season, a lifetime. so people come in and and the lessons were complete and and to c- continue to move forward and forge that relationship would have been soul destroying, but that of course, there's a a consequence of feeling to actually leaving it. And so thank you for illuminating that and 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 giving voice to that experience that's so common, but also so marginalized in the way that it's discussed at you know f- for a lot of us. So that's pretty exciting though that you had um these seeds of love within this your your second husband beginning to blossom and 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 that he is this amazing person who's really going to come into your life and begin to compliment you in a way that sounds like you hadn't experienced before. Tell us more about how that informs the work you do today.
0: Oh man. I call my second husband, my muse, (laughs) Um, you know, because he really, he's, he's, he's spiritual, but he doesn't know it. Um, He's super wise. And I say spiritual because he doesn't know it just because Like there's, there's such a very calm, settled energy. And this is where you want to get to with your meditation is feeling calm and feeling settled and having the right answers. And for him, he came that way, calm and settled and with the right answers. And I learned so much from him. Like, um, one of the things that I learned in my teaching is it's not fair to ask for anything you're not willing to do first. He never said that to me, but he behaved it. And I learned this through observing his behavior by looking at what he offered me. Um, And he offered me what he wanted. And he gave me freedom because he wanted freedom. So there's, there's some incredible, beautiful things like you can't help who you fall in love with. I don't want to be with anybody who doesn't want to be with me. These are all lessons I learned from him. And they make up part of the foundation of what I teach. Absolutely that's what what do you say when you meet
1: someone who i think this is common and what really trips us up is in juxtaposition to your husband who's the embodiment of show don't tell so all of his show and tell is probably matching up and mm-hmm. that's why you can look at his behavior and it all corroborating with how you feel and and what he's saying to you but what about when somebody's show and tell don't match up
0: that's when I say your behavior doesn't match your intent. Ooh, intent. I like that.
1: Your behavior doesn't match your intent. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's going to be f- very freeing. Right. <laughs> that's a little, that's a little, I guess, if this were Oprah's podcast, Ooh, that's a tweet tweet. That's a tweet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because that just really packaged it nicely. Yeah. And that's, I guess the question we all bring to people who we've still allow into our lives who behave that way. Cause that's, that's been something that's, that I've noticed in myself is like, Oh, I'll see what I want to see. I'll believe what I want to believe through only just this little portion of your words needing to be what I wanted to hear. And then if your behavior is running counter to that, Oh, well, because I heard some pretty words. Mm -hmm. So very, very good. Um, tell us, tell me about your books and, um, where people can find you and connect with you and, and the help that you can offer people who are resonating with what we're talking about because they've seen it in their own lives and they're still experiencing it.
0: Right. Well, my books cover you from A to Z getting from, from getting over a breakup to, you know, feeling like you need to set yourself on fire because you're too focused in your relationship and you're losing yourself. So Comeback Queen is the one that helps you get over a breakup and put your heart back together. Uh, fake Love Need Not Apply is one that's free on my website. It's how to recognize posers, losers, scammers, and predators so you don't fall into a relationship with them. Uh, no More Assholes is the vetting process. This is when you are out there choosing your partner. This is how you need to do it. After the first kiss is literally after the first kiss, this is the book that keeps you from turning little things into big fights so that you laid the groundwork for the right relationship with this new person. But we do tend to bring in baggage from our our, our upbringings from our past relationships. And if we don't address them properly, then we will vomit that into the relationship and cause dysfunction. So fix that shit is the book that helps you heal your baggage while also giving your partner space to heal theirs. And it teaches women how to be the emotional leader in their relationship. I got to say no more assholes and fix that shit are my two bestsellers. Um, And then custom made is if you, Like if you're relying on your partner to be your source of entertainment, to be your source of companionship, then you are making them your life and that's not okay because your life should revolve around you and your passion and your partner is the icing on your cake. So if you don't know what your passion is, then custom-made answers to a question. What am I designed to do? What have I been put here to fill a purpose for? And the second one is how do I market that so people come to me for it and I can then turn something that I love into a job that I make money from so I never have to quote unquote work again. Um, and then say yes to goodness is, you know, as a social scientist, I break this down into three parts. Your biological body, your logical mind, your spiritual connection And in um, say yes to goodness. I look at ten areas of your life that are affecting you, and how those three parts of you can fit into those ten areas, so you create symbiosis and have a very happy, happy existence. Beautiful, love it. The full, the full suite, the full package. And you trim up here. We got covered. Oh wait, there's more. I forgot. (laughs) Dating 101, this this is about understanding the drives, behaviors, and emotions behind love. So if you just want a scientific book in plain English about love and what drives you towards love, Dating 101 is the book. Gotcha. Yes.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing of your story here and elsewhere that you share and being so generous with your lessons, packaging them, crystallizing concepts, distilling concepts. Your TikTok is amazing. definitely need to go follow you there. Your website, we'll keep it all in the show notes of where people can find you, find your books, follow you. Um, But thank you again for your generosity and sharing. It's been an honor and a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Natalie. It's been so much fun.
1: Yes. (laughs) Have a great day. You too. Well, I just loved that. And I hope that you did as well. I know that a couple of those concepts we went over, I'm just still... Um, noodling through and they're reverberating through my life as I begin to incorporate them on deeper and deeper levels. So I hope the same for you. And thank you again. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for passing on to a friend. Thank you for leaving a review, especially if it's five star. Um, no need to leave any other reviews if it's not a five star. That's okay. Spare spare your thumbs and your time. No need. Um, but seriously, thank you. I know I've mentioned my accountability journal. On my website, natalieq.com, I am making a TikTok um, this week about, I printed it off and it's actually so cool. And I'm going to be using it again um, for a couple habits that I have let go lax through this pandemic and quarantine. So... I'm a physician heal thyself. I am taking my own medicine and go over to TikTok um, or Instagram. I'll post it on Instagram as well. Natalie Q on Instagram, Natalie.q on TikTok where I'm gonna show you what it actually looks like because I know I've mentioned it a couple of times without actually going going over in depth what it actually is and could offer you. so, um, go check that out. Connect with me in those places. Leave me a conversation. Um, get the accountability journal and let me know what your goals are. Send me a little DM. I will respond. And um, let's just keep keep the conversation flowing and going. Okay, delete that. <laughs> oh, too, I've already re- tried to record this four times. I'm not re-recording. I'm going to leave in my dorky bit where I go off the rails. Um Thank you again to Antelope the Wild, who has so generously lent his music for our theme song. And if I forgot anyone or anything, I apologize. Thank you, one and all. (laughs) Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next week.